Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so going to party. Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. have another episode of the Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast and video cast where we talk to your favorite actors, uh, celebrities, all the above from your favorite film and television shows, sometimes Broadway, sometimes comedy. It depends. We just talk to a lot of fantastic people and we have a very special guest today. We are chatting with Rivka Reyes and Rivka, I, I just have to say, I, I heard an interview that you did on Knocking Down Doors podcast which was just absolutely spectacular and i have to say that is what i mean i prompted me to reach out and see if we could get you on the show because i know you're very open and vocal on social media about your life but you haven't done a lot of media or press and so i was like well let's see and then of course you know there's school of rock but we're here to talk about much more than that so i want to say uh thank you for your time and thanks for hanging out with us today i really appreciate it no, thank you for having me. Yes. And thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down. That 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 uh that show was really fun. I was I was like pleasantly surprised. I had a really great time with those guys. They're they're so so fun. Yeah, that's a great podcast. And uh we've shared Are you a regular am, listener? Yeah, I've been listening to them for a very long time. Um I, I've always been a fan because the types of conversations that they have with people um are just really fantastic and it's you know it's great because it's not just a typical interview show you know where they're talking about people and having them promote projects and things like that but they're really getting to know the real individual and I listened to your episode a few times because I thought to myself you know this is really um the perfect example of what some people's perspective can be on Hollywood and the way that we think people make it through, uh, child actors, whatever the case might be. I've had several on and really your honesty and your transparency about your life and your experiences that you've had um, really don't fit the mold necessarily of what most people's perspective might be. And I love the fact that you're so honest about things like that. So um, again, I, I just want to say thank you for your time, but I feel like we have a lot of things to discuss. Um, and I, of course I mentioned the fact about your honesty and things like that, but for our listeners, I I'm kind of doing this in reverse. If, if there's something that you want people to take away from, uh, from your life and from your experiences and just all of the things that you've done, um, something that has stood by you and sort of helped you sustain yourself through life. Um, what would that message be for our, our viewers and our listeners? Hmm. I think trust your intuition. Um, and that, that, that's just really it, especially for women and like queer folks, people of color, but everybody has intuition, whether they know it or not. And I think it's really important to trust it. That's that, 
that gut voice that kind of just knows things before we do even sometimes. Um, and I always say that, you know, if you, if you have a hard time believing in like intuition and stuff like that, just say, trust your gut. Um, your gut's always right. I think for the most part. And if you're having a hard time trusting your gut, definitely talk to somebody and be like, Hey, I have this like gut feeling that X, Y, Z, um, whether that's like a person in your life being unsafe or, or a job maybe being not for you or a job definitely being for you. Um, just, I have a gut feeling that that's this, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, if you, if you are having a hard time trusting yourself alone, you're not alone. You can always reach out to somebody and, um, you know, bounce ideas back and forth between them. I think really human connection is beautiful and, and has definitely saved my life. Um, and it's never a bad idea to ask for help when you need it. Yeah. I'm very curious. I have a follow-up question to that. When we sometimes have those feelings and we're kind of like, I should probably listen to this gut feeling or intuition. I like that term. Like, what do you think stops us from wanting to do that? And we just kind of go with the flow instead of, instead of listening to those things and going, okay, this probably is something that I should not (laughs) be a part of Uh, fear. Fear. I think it's fear. 1000%. It's fear. Um, you know, that, that, uh, that there's a, there's the gut voice, right. And then there's that inner saboteur voice that kind of holds us back. Um, I call mine Brenda because that's just the name that I feel like she deserves. (laughs) Um, and not to say like, fuck that voice and like, shut that voice out. Definitely. It's hard to shut that voice out. Um, And the more you shut it out, the louder it gets, I think. Um, But just being able to like look within and and deciphering what's you and what's that inner saboteur is really, it's really, really helpful to be able to discern that. And I know that there are folks who have like OCD and anxiety and and mental, um, you know, differences that, that, you know, make it hard for them to, to decipher what that voice is or whether that's them or not. But just like, I think, honestly, fear, I hear this all the time, is that fear is this acronym for false evidence appearing real. Um, and that faith is the opposite of fear and and they can't exist within the same vessel, the same container. So one will always win. Um, definitely. I try to let faith, you know, take over. And that's not just like faith in like a higher power. Yes, it is bad for me, but, but it's also faith in myself and faith, faith in love and faith in my choices. Um, faith in honesty, faith in my gut. Um, and letting faith be the winner of that, that, you know, that, um, metaphorical boxing match between the two of them, um, you know, doing, doing my best to, to let faith knock fear out of the ring. I love it. That's very wonderfully put. I mean, I mean, very practical advice for everybody, but even for myself, I'm like mentally, 
uh, taking notes on that. I, I want to wind the clock back a little bit uh, as we work through your life and things like that. And um, so when you were younger, obviously, at least from my perspective and maybe for our listeners uh, who might not be super familiar, but you, it seems to me that you took to music naturally. That's something that interested you. Um, but what was it that fascinated you about that so much that made you go, this is something that I want to, to try or something that I want to, to be a part of and, and make a part of my life? Well, my parents say I was a very musical child that, you know, they would hear me humming and singing um, at a really young age, like at two, um, that, you know, they would like put me down for a nap and then like on the monitor, like baby monitor, they would like hear me singing um, like Disney or whatever, you know, commercial jingles. Um, like I, I, my dad tells this story and I don't know whether it's true or not, but um, he'll definitely like tell people that like one day he like heard me like in my crib singing like save big money at Menards or some <laughs> like some commercial jingle that I had heard on the radio or TV or something and that they kind of had discerned that I was meant to be a musician I think honestly my parents had decided that I was going to be a musician before I was born um and that's you know that's fine I am so <laughs> it, it makes sense um it is I think the thing that I do feel the most comfort in and the most ease in um like karaoke you know being both Filipino and being a you know trained vocalist like I, I just thrive so hard in karaoke and just any chance that I get to sing like really is the time where I feel the most comfortable um but yeah when I was little they kind of just were like we're putting you in music lessons you're gonna take up an instrument like they gave me the autonomy to choose and I chose violin I think because that was like the most in my mind, the most practical choice. And then I took one violin lesson and I didn't like the sound of it. And I was like, okay, I don't like this, but I, I still wanted to play a string instrument. And so I picked up guitar um, because it didn't require me to use like a bow. Um, whereas like cello and violin and viola, you have to use a bow for that. So I, I started playing guitar when I was four um and it became this thing that I was just so invested in I, I would literally practice three times a day I would go to lessons once a week and then you know the more I uh got better at it I would take group lessons and and musicianship classes and music theory classes I mean it was like kind of like a real life school of rock if you you know think about it because I was just taking multiple music classes a week and stuff with my teacher um and it just was my life. It was my entire life. And then, you know, when I was in fourth grade, I was on this radio show um, called From the Top, where they bring on kids who are classically trained to play their best piece. And that's kind of where School of Rock started looking for okay. kids. Um, yeah. Interesting. So it's from a radio show where they are starting to fan out and look for talent for this movie. Very interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. Radio show and some like, you know, they, they, uh, I know they found um, the, the boys, uh, Joey and Kevin, they found at, at like kids rock camp and they found me and Robert from that radio show from the top. Um, so me and Robert were 
had pretty much only had classical experience until the movie. And then Joe and Kevin had only had rock experience um, leading up to the movie. Wow. That's very fascinating. So um, that's where acting came in for you, obviously, with School of Rock. Now, I'm curious because this is very early on in your life when this experience is happening. And I've heard you talk about in previous conversations that um, it was defining for you. And, you know, I'm sure you've probably talked about this a lot, but I'm very curious. Um, So you are found by whoever finds you, talent, scouts, whatever. It's been a while since the film has come out. I'm trying to remember certain things, but you get discovered. Um, Did you have any idea what you were getting into at the moment when this was all happening or you're just like, I love to play music. I, I really, I think I, a part of me did that intuition, right? Like, cause I knew what a star, what a big star Jack Black was. And I knew Joan Cusack, um, from Chicago, like we were neighbors. Um, a lot of people don't know that Joan Cusack and I were actually neighbors. We lived in the same neighborhood in Chicago, um, and like knew each other's families before we worked on school of rock. So it was kind of like hilarious. The like first table read being like Joan. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was really funny. My mom and her were like, Oh my God. Hi. (laughs) Um, but like, I knew that she was a famous actress. I knew that Jack Black was like a rising star because, you know, shallow Hal, saving Silverman and orange County and high fidelity were all like, you know, recent one hit uh, after another, uh, recently out one hit after another where he was just such a star. And I knew that, that he was on that level that people were going to see this. I didn't know it was going to become everyone's favorite movie because like, it's, it's wild. I, I literally, you know, every time I meet a new group of people, like there's at least one person who says that like their family watches school of rock every year, like for, you know, whatever holiday. And I'm like, that's so funny. Like, and, and, and I, I definitely like 10 year old me didn't know it would be that level um, that it would, I didn't know it would be one of the most beloved, you know, movies of, of that era. Um, and it truly holds up too. Like I've, I've watched it recently and I'm like, Oh my God. And my sister too, she was like, she told me, she's like, I guess what I watched the other night. I was like, what? She was like, split rock. I was like, isn't it so good? And she was like, yes. Like it is surprisingly, it holds up. Like there's, there's nothing cancelable about it yet. You know, who knows? And like 10, 20 or years, 10 or but like 12 weeks, for now, who knows? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but you know, it, it, I, you know, I, I, I don't think when I was 10, I knew that it would be that level of success. Um, a lot of people, it's funny. I, I was like looking on, on, uh, TikTok at some of the comments on this one. Um, it was just like a fan had like put, cut together, like a, a video of like Jack's funniest moments in the movie. And like, somebody like, how did he not, how did this movie not sweep the Oscars? And I was just like, oh <laughs> I love God. it. I mean, honestly, it is, it is, it is a great movie. It did, I mean, we were nominated for for like MTV Movie Awards and Golden Globes and stuff. But like, yeah, I, I, I kind of do feel like at this point, and it's like, of course, 20 years late, but it's like, we were snubbed. We were robbed. <laughs> I mean, it is a great... <laughs> we should have definitely won an yeah, Oscar. I mean, at least for best original song. Come on. That I mean, slaps. you know, I, I don't know why Regent of the Le- Legend of the Rent was not nominated for, you know, it, it just, it's a very smart film. I mean, there's been 
television shows. There's been Broadway. Um, it's uh, There's been live productions of it. In fact, the Children's Theater here in the Bay Area did it recently. Um, I mean, it's just like, it's unbelievable. And regardless of what format or context it's in, whether it's a TV show or whatever. In fact, I think there's a school of an actual school of rock here where kids can join and learn to play instruments or maybe they already play. Yeah, they're all over. And they they're do music the from and... your film, which is really kind of ironic. Um, and the fact that it's, you know, so popular and just, um, I mean, it's just a great film. Um, and of course, you know, Sarah Silverman and uh, Mike White and just everybody um, who he's a, which I learned later on. He Mike wrote that entire um, television show. Uh, White, White Lotus. Lotus. I had no idea. Uh, so it's yeah. So good. I love it's, that show. I I oh my god, that show was so good. I was on the edge of my seat the entire yeah. time. I mean, it's like a brilliant setup. Like spoiler alert to anybody who hasn't watched White Lotus yet, but like to start a show with like somebody gets yeah. murdered, like somebody dies. <laughs> like it's, it just, it's so perfect. It's like, it's, uh, it's, and such it's a not good, who you think it would oh, be, God. which makes it even better. Um, it, yeah, I definitely, I definitely, um, hope they bring it back for a second season. I actually, you know, they are bringing it back for a second season and Jennifer Coolidge is going to be on it from the original, um, season. I think what, they're setting it up is that we're following her character to a bunch of different yeah, resorts, I which I love so because I had, she, she was my favorite on the show. She's always my favorite in everything she's in. So I, I just, Oh God, I love her so much. Yeah. I mean, all of it is just great. So when you finish something like this school of rockets out, people see it. Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously then you didn't know it was going to be a cult classic for people to watch. But when you finish something like that, I mean, there were other Miranda Cosgrove, I believe, was in that who clearly went on to do other things and like yourself and, and a lot of other yes. people. But when you finish something like that and it's wildly popular, um, how do you continue on from that? So you're 10 right at that point. So do you mm -hmm. when it came out, I was 11. We were filming when I was 10 and. When it came out, like, I think that, and it's, it's also funny because like it, School of Rock was my first audition for okay. anything, anything, any, any acting at all. Um, not even like school plays. So I was always too busy with guitar. Um, and it kind of set me up. I, I will take credit. I will take credit for this. And I'll also give a little bit of credit to my mom for this, um, that we kind of thought that I would be set, that I would book everything because School sure, of Rock was so yeah. successful because I was like this hot come up but like I was really anxious and shy and and terrified of camera I like really didn't want to like I I, I did want to be there I did and every moment on set was truly a pleasure and a blast even when we were all like we all had to be quarantined from each other because we were all sick we all had the flu at one point it was like during the battle of the bands too which is like the worst time to get it when we all had to be but they they gave us all emergency and we were all fine and like buzzing around after taking it um but like afterwards getting thrown into like auditioning for you know a bunch of disney and nickelodeon stuff and all bunch of movies you know i guess i was i was immediately i was made aware that 
I didn't have that X factor yet because merely because I didn't have the experience, like, you know, school of rock was one thing, but I had no audition coaching. I had no acting classes or teachers or anything like that. It was just me and my mom. So like we were kind of in over our heads a little bit and, and every rejection to me, I kind of just brushed it off. But to my mom, it was just like, how dare you? Um, And how dare you not see how special my kid is, you know? And, and ultimately I I just kind of, I got sick of it and I was just like, yeah, I kind of want to like just focus on school. And, uh, you know, at that point I, it was like in maybe seventh or eighth grade and I'd gotten really into theater and I wanted to be, you know, on Broadway and do musicals and stuff. So I started taking voice lessons to, to kind of get, you know, geared for high school. Cause I knew in high school, I wanted to do musicals and, and, uh, it became my dream to like go to go to Juilliard and like be on Broadway by the time I was you know out of college and and all of that you know so I set up I I do uh, tend to set pretty high expectations and standards for myself that you know some would say are unrealistic (laughs) um but you know I, I just definitely got so sick of it um the auditioning and and the you know meetings and stuff where we, my mom and I really didn't have any education on any of it. Like we didn't know what to do. All we had was the one gig and being on set with the other moms. And like, my mom was like, you know, talking to them and learning, you know, from what they were saying. But again, it just wasn't enough to, to get me that next gig. If that makes sense. Um, I was called back on multiple times for Hannah Montana. I was close. I mean, but then ultimately Billy Ray and Miley were a package deal and and I just had to kind of let that go. And and that was fine for me. It was fine. I was just like, that's fine. But my mom, it was just like resentment. And we would like make my sisters and I would watch the show and she'd be like, turn that off. <laughs> it was like the reverse. <laughs> it's like usually the mom is the supportive and encouraging one. And the kid is the one struggling, yeah. but Interesting how that dichotomy was different for both of you uh, because you were just like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? This was a fantastic opportunity. I got to work with some amazing people. Um, I kind of was very faithful too. I was, I was, you know, brought up Roman Catholic and had a lot of trust in like God and all that. And I was just like, I know God and Jesus will take care of me. And like, you know, if, if it's meant to be, it'll meant to be. And I had that mentality as a kid, but then I think in high school, I grew this like, you know, cockiness because I started getting cast in all the plays and stuff. And, and I had been, um, you know, doing well in, in musicals that I grew this sense of like cockiness and entitlement, um, in high school that like, I would get into all of the musical theater schools. And, you know, I simply did not have the like GPA to get into like NYU and and Juilliard and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I was, (laughs) I, I was, again, in a, this position of like being in over my head too, because I, yeah, I guess, I guess I was, uh, by the time I was in, you know, my second high school, which was my junior year, I was like doing drugs already and like drinking a lot and, you know, more focus on being liked than I was on getting good grades. And I had kind of become this, this jaded, 
person because I did internalize a lot of what my mom was putting on me. Um, you know, whether she knew she was putting that on me or not, um, lots of like body shaming and, and eating disorders and stuff like that, like that kind of sprung from all of the rejection, um, from these auditions and stuff that carried me (laughs) for the next 10 years of my life. I mean, I was like 14 until, you know, 24, I just was very, very sick and like very, you know, starving myself or like, you know, eating the same thing every day, three times a day, because I was sure that that's how I was going to keep the weight off or whatever. Um, you know, uh, drinking a lot, you know, drinking only black coffee and smoking cigarettes. And that's all that I would intake, you know, aside from alcohol and, you know, just really working myself to a pulp. And, you know, I did have success in Chicago as a like theater actor and, I I've done like a hand, I'd, I'd done a handful of like commercial and, and industrial projects and indie features and indie shorts and whatever. When I was living in Chicago as an actor, like in my like college and like a couple years post-college days, but ultimately I was just trying to fill the void and like, it was, it was really dark. It got really, really dark, really fast. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, kids are sponges. And as a parent, I know that our kids absorb a lot of things that we might not think that they do. Uh, and then it comes out later, you know, very much later. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, and just even now in these moments, you're very honest about your journey, both in mental health and, and the recovery and all of those things and sort of how that sort of changed your life and really the things that maybe didn't bother you before soon bothered you later. Obviously, you know, your, your life is completely different now than it was um, and have moved forward. And most things, at least with what you've shared and the things that we see on social media are very encouraging um, and all of those types of things. I'm very curious. um, What is the biggest lesson that you've learned from all of this, uh, from early fame and success, um, and sort of what can happen and what happens later, um, now that you are, are pretty well on the other side of all of these things that you've talked about? I think it's like industry wise, it's never too late. Right. I, I could say a bunch of names of people who got successful, uh, super young and then, you know, went away for a little bit and then came back, um, you know, stronger and better, you know, um, or people who just simply didn't like have their, their quote unquote breakthrough until they were, you know, in their forties, fifties, whatever. Um, I would also, yeah. So it's never too late. I would also say like, don't let IMDB and like deadline and and Instagram and TikTok be your barometer for your own success Mm. and your own joy and your own worth. Um, I definitely tied a lot of my worth to what other people's worth or what other people's success and accolades look like. I definitely got really bitter at some of my, you know, peers, my colleagues, um, in who were in the same college ensemble as me, who got, like famous and like verified on Instagram before I did, I held on to a lot of resentments towards comedians who got on SNL before, you know, me. Um, and, and I am still, you know, 
I'm not like actively trying to be on SNL at this moment, but like, I'm not closed off to it. I'm not closed off to the idea that I'll maybe one day be on Broadway. In fact, I I would love that still. And I do, you know, regularly audition for things that are on Broadway. Right. And like, I, I regularly audition for things that, you know, that are big, like, you know, I I am still to this day, like, it's, it's funny because a lot of people who don't know my work, um, since school of rock will be like, why did you stop acting? And I used to get really fucking pissed at that. I'd be like, well, I never stopped. I have like, it always worked since then I was auditioning and I'm like trying to explain it, but I don't really have to explain it anymore. I'm kind of just like, no, I've never stopped. I just, a lot of what I did was either like theater in Chicago that only a special few got to see. And that's really cool. Um, you know, uh, or indie films that you can stream here, XYZ places. Uh, you know, you can see me on Netflix in this TV show called Easy. Uh, my work is all over, it's all out there. And I have a lot of my standup out on YouTube. Like I never stopped acting, I never stopped performing. Um, it's just that society has like kind of put this thing yeah. on actors that if it's not on IMDb, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Um, if it wasn't absorbed and, and devoured by millions, it's not enough. It's not good. It's not meaningful, but every performance I've ever done is meaningful. Even if it's a stand-up show for, you know, 20 people, even if it's a movie that was loved by millions. Um, and I, I just have to remember that, you know, as, as long as I'm still performing, it's, it's performing, you're doing what you love. Yeah. And the last thing that I'll say for actors specifically is like every audition is equally unimportant. Even if it's for your dream job, it's just an opportunity to play. It's an opportunity to do what you love. And if you don't love it, then maybe consider like, Hey, like I could do something that brings me more joy than this. I've taken several breaks from, from certain types of performing or art, like guitar, doing the classical guitar thing that I was doing wasn't serving me anymore. So I stopped doing it and I switched out for musical theater, which was giving me joy. And then when musical theater was kind of getting, you know, tiresome and annoying and clicky and po- political, I was just like, yeah, let me take a break from this and do stand up because that's fun. And I get to be myself and I get to like write my own stuff. And when stand up was getting boring, I went back to like regular acting. And <laughs> when regular acting gets boring, I go back to stand up. I mean, I, I definitely am a personality type who gets bored very easily. <laughs> and like it, it just happens. But, you know, as I think as long as you're checking in with that gut again and then going back to that, like, checking in to see like, is this bringing me joy? Is this still fun? Is this more like work and labor and exhaustion than it is like joy and happiness and freedom? Um, and, and making your choices based off of that rather than on what you think you have to do based on what society says you have to do. Yeah. A hundred percent agree on all of that. And it, you never went anywhere. You've just been doing different things. And I think I agree with you. The measure of a person is not based on what we see on social media or through the news or whatever the case might be. Even if it's uh, you're duetting uh, Hamilton at a restaurant. I mean, that's just a lot of fun stuff. And you're naturally a creative. And I'm like in my head, I'm like, did you see that yeah, video? I did. Um... Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, yeah. Thank you. You have a beautiful voice. And again, Thank you. 100% true. 
of course, I mean, School of Rock, I think we all have milestones in our life. That was a big milestone, but there have been many other milestones in your life as well. Your stand-up is great. I mean, just a lot of successes, uh, you know, mentally, physically, whatever the case might be, I think our listeners will learn a lot from this. And if you haven't ever seen School of Rock, I don't even, what I don't even know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> you're missing, missing out. Uh, a lot. Rivka, thanks for uh, joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.